I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey. All are welcome here. Let's get started. Hey friends, I'm just going to go ahead and confess to you right now before we even get started that I have spent much of this last year wondering if we've taught our oldest son everything he needs to know before he leaves our home. And apart from realizing that we had not yet taught him to do his own laundry, My thoughts have centered more on the conversations we needed to make sure to have with him before he goes, and that's why I'm so excited to host our special guest today. Melanie Young and her husband, Hal, are the award-winning, best-selling authors of Raising Real Men, No Longer Little, and Love, Honor, and Virtue, and they're also the hosts of the Making Biblical Family Life Practical podcast. And I have to tell you, friends, I often recommend their book, Raising Real Men, before I even recommend my own. (laughs) Hal and Melanie are publishers, writers, bloggers, and popular conference speakers internationally known for their Christ-centered focus and practical real-life stories. They are the parents of six real boys that are all grown and two real girls, and they live in the noisy, messy happiness of North Carolina. It's entirely possible that I have, at various times, threatened to drive from Virginia to North Carolina to peep inside their windows so that I can learn all about their parenting. But I have something a little better and possibly more legal for us than that today, as Melanie is with us to talk about conversations to have with our kids before they leave our homes. Melanie, my friend, welcome back to the show. It has been entirely too long since you guys were our guests here. I've missed having you guys. You always have so much wealth to share from your experience. So since it's been a while, I'd love it if you would kick us off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself, your family, your ministry, just help everybody get to know you a little bit. Okay. Hi, Brooke. It is delightful to be here with you again. Hal and I have six boys in a row and two girls after that. Our six boys are all adults now, and we have a ministry called Raising Real Men. That's the name of our first book. And we just talk about how to make biblical family life practical, ways that, you know, not you've got to do it this way, but here's some (laughs) ways it can look in your home for you to teach your, your children to serve Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I will tell you that I still recommend that book over mine. I've said that before. I think I've said it every time we've talked. I, I tell oh. people, they, they'll say, do you have a great book for raising boys? I'm like, yes, raising real men and then get mine and learn how to pray for them. <laughs> oh. It's a great, great book. And it's one that my husband and I have referred back to many times. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can grab it if they want to. But it's been one that I have recommended over and over again throughout the years. And I'm so glad to have you today because we're focusing on the launch season. And you just said that all of your boys are grown 
and out of the house. I know your girls are approaching that point as well now. So I can't think of anybody that can speak into this better than you can. So this month, we've been really kind of preparing our hearts for the launching season as moms. We've been trying to figure out, you know, what to expect from it. Um, how to navigate it with grace so that we do a, a good job and not a poor job. And I happen to know, you told me just before uh, we went live, that you actually enlisted some of your guys that are at home with you right now yes. to help you shape what you're going to share with us today. I just think that's so cool. I love that influence. So what we're going to be talking about are conversations that we need to have with our kids before they leave. And I just think this is going to be so great. So let's jump right in. Okay. And start. What's the number one conversation that you, that you want to share? Well, you know, before we talk about the individual conversations, I think all three conversations are really have the same basic topic. It's about teaching your kids to take responsibility because that's really what defines adulthood. Adulthood is the capability and the character to take on the responsibilities that you're in charge of and to deal with them. And that's the big transition into launching our kids from our house is that while they're home, we're the ones that are responsible. And so we're the ones that make sure things happen. But once they leave, they've got to take that responsibility for themselves. And there's three specific areas that they're going to need to address to take responsibility. And I think you need to have those conversations with them. This is so good. So let me preface this conversation by saying that today was Senior Skip Day. Today, while we're recording this, was Senior Skip Day for my son. And he had wanted to set, he did set his alarm. This is my almost 18-year-old, set his alarm because he wanted to get up and do some homework before he had to go and get a haircut and prom is tomorrow. So he's got some things he needs to get done. And he set his alarm and slept right through it. So I went in and I was like, dude, I can't go with you to college get up when your alarm goes off. <laughs> so <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. So kick us off. <laughs> well, that's really the first conversation is they've got to start taking responsibility in their day-to-day -day life. And serious business, this is hard for me to believe, but college administrators have told us that they have students whose parents call them every morning to wake them up. Folks, do not be that parent. You know, being that kind of parent just really cripples your kids. And I know the fear. I had a child that I'm not sure he ever got up on his own in my house, like ever. And I was terrified when he went to college. I thought, how is he going to survive? He cannot get up on his own. Now, it turns out he had a sleep disorder. Found that out later. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know what? When he got on his own, he took responsibility and he got up on time. Now, I'm not going to tell you how many alarms he had to set to make that happen or how long it took, but he managed it. But we need to have that conversation. You know, son, when next year, like you had with your son, I'm not going to be there to wake you up. And it, you've got to take charge of that. In fact, they've got to show up for class or work. They've got to get their work done. You know, in high school, whether you're homeschooled or in a brick and mortar school, people say, okay, now don't forget to turn in your homework. A lot of professors aren't going to do that. They're going to put it on the syllabus and you'd better drop it off on the right day. You know, they've got to be responsible for keeping up with their own finances, for paying their bills. And we can do a lot of prep for that beforehand. We can teach them how to use some software to do that. We can make sure they have some small responsibilities so they get big responsibilities. That's one of the big things our college student guys said is they said, don't wait till they leave home, but prepare them for this stuff ahead of time. 
You give them small responsibilities while the failures are small and make sure that they can handle it. And so we need to tell them those things, you know, how are you going to handle this is a better way to handle it than you're going to have to do this. (laughs) Because when we respect our kids' adulthood, then they're far more likely to listen to our advice. So if you say, you better do this and you better do that, they start tuning it out because they want to be men. They want to be grown women. But when we, when you say, now, it's going to be your responsibility. You're going to be the adult. and You can handle it however you think. But I was wondering if you needed some advice on how to manage this. They're far more likely to ask for that advice and to take it. But we need to be super careful when we're talking to them about taking responsibility that we also make it plain, I'm here for you. And that if you need advice or you have a problem, call me and we'll try to fix the problem, not fix the blame. Yeah, that's good. That's a great distinction. Because a lot of kids are afraid to call their parents because they're like, oh, they're going to just chew me out. And then the problem gets so bad, it can't, they can't recover from it. One of my son's teaches, he's teaching at Duke right now. He has his doctorate in political science. And he sees that all the time, that kids let problems go that could have been fixed early in the semester. But then after the grades are turned in, they're calling the professor trying to figure out how to get their grade up. It's too late then. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's a great point. I think I look back on my own relationship with my parents and they were always the first people I wanted to call for help. They were the first people I called when I panicked over something, or they were the first people when I, when I didn't know what to do or when my car broke down or when I ran out of money or, you know, something like that. I always wanted, uh, I wanted them. And frankly, you know, I'm 45 years old now, Melanie. I still, my gut reaction, I'm, I'm grateful. I still have both of my parents. My dad is 87 and I still have both of them. And I still sometimes have to remind myself that I should probably go to my husband before I should go to my, my parents <laughs> because I, it's just been, they've been that, they've been that kind of resource for me over well, the years. I have the same relationship with my parents and our guys, they said, you know, when something happens at college, I pick up the phone and call you, but most of my friends aren't that way. And so we need to make it clear to our kids, you know what, if you call me for help as an adult, I'm not going to be figuring out how to blame you. I'm going to be figuring out how to help you. Yeah, that's such a great distinction. And I think if we approach it the other way, then the phone calls will probably get fewer. Yes, absolutely. And so that's the first conversation. Son, daughter, you're going to be responsible for your day-to-day life. Let's figure out what that's going to look like and how I can help you get ready for that. Right. So good. All right. What's number two? I think number two is you're responsible for your relationships (laughs) and you've got to take responsibility for your relationships. And that's kind of two directional. They need to take responsibility for their relationships with the people back home because it's hard to call them because they have a different schedule. Their Monday, Wednesday, Friday is different than their Tuesday, Thursday and their work schedule changes. So it's hard for us to know even when to call them because we don't know when they're free. And so we have to tell them, you need to reach out to me because I don't know when you're free and I want to talk to you and I'm going to get upset if I don't get to talk to you because I'm going to miss you, but you've got to be the one to reach out. Now, the tough side of that is they reach out when it's convenient for them. Right. Every single child has called me between classes in the mornings and they call and they say, hi, mom, what are you doing? I'm like, um, I'm homeschooling. Like I have every morning (laughs) since you were born, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But I still take those calls 
because it sends a message to them and to the kids around me watching that my relationship with my kids is more important even than the schoolwork we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. But they also need to take responsibility for their relationship with their younger siblings because when they leave home, it's going to become a lot harder to connect with those younger siblings, especially the ones that are too young to have the internet. And those younger siblings need those older siblings in their lives. If they don't, they're going to go through a very desperate grieving process. And one day, those older siblings will need the younger siblings in their lives. And so we talk to them about that and they forget. Say, have you called your younger sister recently? Have you called your younger brother recently? They need to hear from you. They love you. They miss you. And so that's one side. They need to take responsibility for their relationship with the people back home. But they also have to take responsibility for the new relationships. One of our kids just said this morning as we were talking, he said, you know, I never experienced a lot of pressure to do drugs or to drink. And I think it's just because of the people I hung around with. And so our kids have to take responsibility for not just hanging out with whoever's available, but for looking and choosing friends and seeking out friends that will encourage them in godliness and not encourage them in temptation. And even a step beyond that, when it comes to romantic relationships, our kids have to be prepared to take responsibility to act like a Christian in their romantic relationships, you know, to make sure they're only having relationships with other believers that they're not engaging in sexual sin, even though it's all over the place at college or in the workplace. And that they are treating the people around them with honor and acting like a believer. And so I think that's the second big conversation we need to have is you need to take responsibility for your relationships. You need to be the adult here and you need to choose to communicate, choose who to communicate with, choose how to communicate. Yeah, that's such a great point. On the idea of taking responsibility for their sibling relationships, that reminds me of the fact that my father had two brothers. So they actually were four kids, but there were three of them that were uh, brothers. And there was three to four years, I think, in between each one. And they had a really difficult upbringing. Their father, my grandfather, I never met him. He was he passed uh, long before I was born. But he abandoned them. He was an alcoholic, abandoned them. My grandmother struggled, you know, as a single mom in a time when it was much less common and much more frowned upon than it is now. And thankfully, she had her parents around to help her some. So they did have some support and some, you know, older role models, but they struggled in a big, big way. And I think my dad had an extremely tight relationship with his two brothers in particular until their deaths. And some of that was born out of adversity. Some of that was born out of they needed each other to survive. My kids are not experiencing that kind of adversity the same way that my dad did. But I remember my dad telling my brother and I um, over and over again, and my brother's five years older than me. So it was enough that we had different peer groups. We, you know, we had the same parents, but we had different peer groups, different experiences, very different, drastically different personalities. But My dad would always say, there's nobody, nobody that's going to be more important to you in years to come than your sibling. Your sibling is the only one that has the same background you have, the same experience you have, and they know you better than anybody else. And it will probably drive you crazy at times, but you have to maintain, hold on to that relationship because it's so important. And as I've watched 
our own kids, which you and I talked about this a little bit before we went live, as I've watched my own kids grow up in the beginning, I thought, Lord, they're going to hate each other. They just couldn't stand each other for so long. I mean, it was nothing to find them rolling around on the floor, banging each other's heads on the ground for a season. That's the way our reality was. (laughs) But now, you know, that they're older, they're not doing that anymore. And I'm not saying their relationship is perfect, but they have grown into what I think might be the beginning of a nice relationship. And that has not been without a lot of hard work on our part, but there does come a time when it has to be their responsibility. And as parents, we hope we've laid that groundwork for how important this really is. And the same for the other part of that conversation, which is, look, I need you to go out and act like the believer that you say you are in your relationships. And when they get to that point, when they're launching We lose the ability to influence that choice as much as we did when they were in our home. And that can be difficult. What are, I know this was maybe outside of the scope of the conversation, but how have you guys managed that part of it? The, you know, I don't have as much control as I used to have and letting them have the freedom to make mistakes. I will tell you what, there is a big, big, big secret here that people don't realize. When your kids leave home, all you have is relationship. Their relationship with God and their relationship with you. And so it is critically important that you protect your relationship with your teens and that you watch, watch their eyes. If you see them look hurt, deal with it. Deal with it right then. That you listen to them even when they're talking about things you don't care about because if you don't listen to the small stuff, they'll never bring you the big stuff. But we talk about how to preserve your relationship with your teens and how to rebuild your relationship with your teens in a freebie I'd like to order your, like to give your people. It's at raisingromen.com slash not lose teens. And it's the session is how not to lose your teens. And the last part of it gives you practical steps to build a strong relationship with your teens. And you, you really hit the nail on the head when it comes to influence. Once they leave your home, your only influence is relationship. If you have a strong relationship you'll have all the influence in the world. They will do everything they can to keep from disappointing you or hurting you because they'll care about that relationship. If you have a bad relationship, all the rules in the world won't help because they won't care if they hurt you or not. And so that that's my tip for that. Relationship is where you get your influence once they're grown. Yeah, I, I want everybody to go and grab that freebie because I really think that's so, it provides so much hope because it's saying, look, this is what you can do. If you blew it, then this is how to restore it. If you need to make it a little stronger, these are some things that you can do. So I know everybody will want to grab that. Today's show is brought to you by our newest prayer guide, Praying God's Word for Your Child to Launch. It's written by my friend, Gina Smith, who has launched two children of her own and is now expecting her first grandchild. And while this makes her something of an expert in my mind, she would be quick to tell you that any wisdom she has comes from her relationship with God. She often reminds me that she doesn't have all the answers, but she knows the God who does. And I think that that's a fantastic motto for all of us who are currently in the launch season. Whether we are young moms, middle-aged moms, or moms of adults, Our children are daily growing in their independence, and the ultimate goal of our motherhood is to work ourselves out of a job. Preparing our children to launch begins earlier than we ever imagined as one life lesson builds on top of another, and truly, I believe it's never too early to pray for them to launch well, and it's important that we get into the habit as early as we possibly can. 
If we are in the habit of praying for our children in this way, we'll be used to being on our knees on their behalf when they leave our home, and we're limited in the amount of input that we have in their lives. The prayers we pray leading up to their launching from the safety of our home will be a springboard that's like no other. As their hands slip from ours for the last time, we will know for sure that we have released them into the firm grip of the Savior's hand as He faithfully surrounds and leads them in the very ways we've prayed over the years. In praying God's word for your child to launch, you'll pray for God to work in your children's hearts to believe in His plan for their lives, be certain of their calling as children of God, live lives of praise to the God who made them, submit to the pruning work of the Holy Spirit, choose wisdom over foolishness, rely on God's strength, help them have the desire to please God, and much more. With biblical teaching, scripture-inspired prayers, and space to journal using our Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer, this digital prayer guide is perfect for the busy mom who needs God to move in the hearts of her kids. Download your copy of Praying God's Word for your child to launch now when you visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. What is the third conversation that we should have with our kids before they leave our homes? The third one is probably the most important, and that is, son, daughter, you've got to take responsibility for your spiritual health. That it's up to you now. Nobody's ever going to know. I, I won't even know if you don't go to church. You know, I won't know if you're not having devotions. It's between you and God now, but it's between you and God now. And he knows you and he's the one you answer to. And so, you know, when you're about to enter a life full of new temptations, strong temptations, and that hint that nobody will ever know, which is not true. And you've got to ask yourself, who do you want to be? Are you a child of God or not? If you're a child of God, then you've got to live like being like you're a child of God. So then you're going to need to find a church and commit to being there. You're going to need to find a Christian group on campus or on your base or a Bible study in your community and commit to being there. And our guys, all of them have said that they've seen it again and again. In the first three weeks that students hit campus, six kids have gone to college now. They all have said in the first three weeks, if somebody coming on campus, they came from a Christian family, they seem to be Christians. If they get involved in a church and a Christian group on campus, they will stay true all the way through college. If they don't get involved in those first three weeks, they will fall away. And it may be for a time, it might be for good. But once you've been there a few weeks, it's really hard because then you're, why are you here? And you're the new guy and everybody else knows their way around. And you've already made a bunch of friends that maybe aren't leading you the right direction. And so it's absolutely critical that they take responsibility for getting involved in church, getting involved in a group of believers immediately, like immediately in their new life. And we need to encourage them. It's their responsibility now to find time to read the Bible and pray. If one of my kids calls me and says, Oh, I'm so discouraged. I'm really just struggling emotionally, mom. I'll say, have you spent time in the word recently? And often the question is, well, I've kind of let it slip. But one of our boys said when he went away to college about, oh gosh, he'd been there about six weeks. He said, mom, you always told me you need to spend time alone with the Lord. You need to read your Bible. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. I hear it all the time. And he said, now I'm here in this environment. I'm like, man, I need to read my Bible. I need to spend time in prayer. (laughs) 
<laughs> and having brothers and sisters in Christ around us keeps us honest. It encourages us in righteousness. They'll ask us, hey, what are you studying in your devotions? And you have to say, mm, haven't spent enough time in the Word lately. Or <laughs> we need to surround ourselves with Christian friends to make sure we've got some solid believers in our lives. That's the big, big, big conversation is, you know what? It's between you and God now. Now we see who you are. Now we see, do you really believe? And when you see them, when you see them walking with God on their own, by themselves, in a generally hostile environment, because let me tell you, if they're going to college, it's a hostile environment right now, even in a lot of so-called Christian schools then your heart will sing. I mean, it is amazing. And we've seen our guys take difficult stands. We've seen them grow stronger in college. And it's just, it's been an amazing thing. I was reading in the Word the other day and was so encouraged by something. You know, I'd read the verses a hundred times before, but have been specifically praying through this launch season and praying for my kids in particular, our oldest as he's launching. And I was reminded that there is nowhere he can go that God can't see him. There is no way for him to get away from God. I might not be, there's all kinds of places he can go that I can't see him. There's all kinds of ways he can get away from me, but there is nowhere he can go to get away from his God. And that is so comforting to me as a parent to know that even when I can't see, God can see. And even when I am feeling completely out of control, God is not out of control. And even when I feel like the plans I had hoped for for him are not coming to fruition, God knows the plans he has for him and is working all things to his His good and all things for his benefit, for the good yes. of those who are called according to his purpose, all the things, all the good and the bad and the ugly that may come, all of those things, God is working them together for his benefit, not to hurt him, but for his benefit. And that gives me such great comfort as a mom to know that the God who loves him more than I do is actually in charge of what's happening in his life. Absolutely. And I think that's something that we should remind ourselves as we launch our kids, because a lot of parents, well, it's not just a problem among Christians. It's a problem among the whole culture right now. A lot of parents are afraid to let go of their kids and they're being very controlling up into adulthood. I remember talking to a 25 year old who didn't have their driver's license because their parents told them that they were maybe weren't responsible enough yet. Y'all that, mm. That's bad. We cripple our kids when we maintain control like we do over a child into their adult years. And we need to remember, we're so afraid our kids will make mistakes, but we have to remember that the same God that led us and saved us and sanctified us and continues to guide us is there for our kids too. And that we raised our children, we taught them the word of God, and we've got to trust the Lord with them. And when we do, it's pretty cool to see what happens. Amen. I look back and I think about all the things that the Lord had patience with me through. All the ways yes. of my, my own immaturity and my own mistakes and my own 
you know, my sin and he had great patience with me and showed great love for me. Will he not do that for my children? Of course he will because it's who he is. It's not just that he's that for me. It's not just that he was that for you, Melanie. He is that God. That is who he is. Right. And that is what he gives to his children. And so we just have to trust him with those times. And I think probably there's no better time than to just trust him as they're walking out the door. I have so enjoyed this conversation with you. As we wrap up, I would love it if you could tell everyone um, how they can learn more about your ministry and, and how they can get involved in what you guys are doing for the kingdom. Awesome. You can find out all about us at RaisingRealMen.com. And we have a subscription box that teaches artisanal craft skills. It's a great way to get your kids off their devices and doing real things at craftsmancrate.com. We're everywhere on social media at Raising Real Men. And we have a podcast too. It's called Making Biblical Family Life Practical. And you can find it anywhere that you listen to podcasts. But we would love to have you join us at one of our speaking events. We're going to be in Orlando, Florida in Richmond, Virginia, and Phoenix, Arizona, all kinds of places next few weeks, even in Japan this fall. Wow. And so join us in a speaking event. Come check us out online, read our blog, listen to our podcast. And don't forget that freebie. It's at raisingrollmen.com slash not lose teens. The session is how not to lose your teens. I think it's one of the most important ones we do. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for hanging out with me today, friends. Was that not totally insightful? I just love how Melanie invited her grown kids to speak into what she shared with us. The Youngs are really just some of my favorites that I've had the privilege to meet on this writing journey, and I recommend that you grab all of their material. I also highly recommend picking up your copy of our prayer guide to accompany this season, Praying God's Word for Your Child to Launch. There's dedicated journaling space inside so that you can write down what God is teaching you as we go through the rest of this season. You can find it along with a link to all of the Young's amazing resources in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Till next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Do you wish you could have a short, sweet, simple something to pray for your kids this summer that sincerely asks God to move in their hearts, is easy to use, and maybe even encourages your heart too? Sign up for a summer of prayer with Million Praying Moms. Each morning this summer, you'll receive a simple, scripture-inspired prayer for your child in your email inbox, just one a day. We'll work our way through the book of Romans, asking God to do things like turn their hearts toward Him, follow Him, trust Him, put their faith in Him, stand up for Him, and be obedient to Him. Get signed up right now in today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.